The biggest and greatest thing in your life will come, not as a result of grabbing, taking, and holding, but through giving, helping, and serving. This message is entitled, Never Forget. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. This weekend, we're gonna share a very special message. I believe it'll be important for us today as we're on this Labor Day weekend. Again, preparing for our new series next weekend that we'll start together called Resilience. But I wanna talk to you today about a phrase that I think is extremely important that we come back to from time from time to time, and that is the phrase, never forget. Would you say that with me? Never forget. All of us have a sort of nagging tendency, a, a sort of a weakness to remember the things that we need to forget and forget the things we need to remember. Is that ever your problem? Okay. Things you really need to forget, they seem to come back to your memory, and things that you need to remember, they seem to go away from your memory. And all through the pages of Scripture, we see multiple times God reminding His people to remember certain things, putting His people in remembrance of things. Even in the New Testament, when Jesus established what we call communion, or we call it sometimes the Lord's table or the Eucharist, He said, every time you come to this table, and next weekend we'll be sharing communion together, when you come to this table, He says, do this in remembrance of Me. And so remembering important things is very important to us. And there are certain things in life that certainly need to be forgotten, and there are certain things in life that desperately need to be remembered. And in this message today, I'm going to draw our attention to an Old Testament character by the name of Joseph. Not the Joseph of the New Testament, but the Joseph of the Old Testament. I would really encourage you sometime this week to go back and pick up your Bible, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 37, and start reading in chapter 37 through chapter 50 of the book of Genesis, and you will find unfolding the story of Joseph. It is an absolutely amazing story. He's one of the most interesting characters of the Old Testament. I love the story of Joseph because he's an incredible example of someone who through the most adverse set of circumstances and situations in life, he remembered the right stuff. He remembered what he needed to remember when the going went tough. Let me quickly give you an overview of Joseph's life. I'm not going to read all these verses for you. Again, I would encourage you to to read the story on your own, again, starting in Genesis chapter 37. But the story starts with, with Joseph when he's 17 years of age. At 17 years of age, we find him in the house of Jacob, his father, and he's one of the favorites of his dad. His dad actually makes for him a coat of many colors, and the Bible tells us about a dream or dreams that Joseph had of one day becoming a ruler. His other brothers did not like that very much, became jealous of Joseph, and sold him into slavery. They threatened to murder him, but instead of murdering him, they sell him into slavery, and Joseph ends up down in Egypt serving in the household of one of Pharaoh's uh, officials named Potiphar. He becomes a servant in the household of Potiphar. Over a period of time, having served as the manager of Potiphar's household, 
Potiphar's wife gets eyes on Joseph, lusts after him, and seeks to seduce him. And the Bible says that day after day, Joseph was faced with the temptation of Potiphar's wife trying to draw him into an illicit affair. Nevertheless, Joseph refused to do so. And finally, out of frustration, uh, Potiphar's wife accuses him of rape, falsely accuses him of rape, and Joseph goes from being a slave in Potiphar's house to now being a prisoner in Pharaoh's prison. He's in prison for a number of years, and as the story continues to unfold, ultimately, after he interprets a dream of Pharaoh, he then becomes the prime minister of Egypt, an amazing story of going from his father's house to a pit to slavery, to prison, and then ultimately over a period of time rising to become the prime minister of Egypt, ultimately providing protection for his entire family that was in a famine. It is an amazing story of a man who every stage along his life journey, he remembered what he needed to remember. There were certain things he never forgot. And today I'm going to share with you five things that come from the life of Joseph that you and I must never forget as well. Number one, you and I need to remember something that Joseph remembered, that your choices are determining something in your life. Your choices are going to determine your destiny and your legacy. There are three words I really want you to circle under note or be aware of choices determining what? Your destiny and your legacy. For all of us here today and those who are watching online, your life is going somewhere. Your life, you're on a journey. You're going somewhere. It's called a destination. Your life has a destiny. Your life will end up somewhere. But not only do you have a personal destiny, but you also are going to leave a legacy. Whether it be good or bad, there's going to be something left behind of your life. When your life is over with, you'll be remembered for certain things. And the Bible teaches us, and Joseph exemplifies the fact, that you and I have control over both our destiny and our legacy. You are responsible, as am I, for my destiny, your destiny, and legacy. No one else is in charge of that. Even God himself has put that in your lane, where your life ends up what you end up doing with your life and the legacy you leave behind, God has given you the power to determine both your destiny and your legacy because God gave you and me an incredible gift. It is called the gift of a free will. You get to choose how you're going to live your life. It's clearly seen in the story of Joseph, no matter what happened to him, he used the one thing that no one could ever take away from him. He used the power of his will. He chose the right response in every situation. That's what's called living, I'm going to write it down here, a responsible life. To live a responsible life, can I break it apart for you? There are two words that you find in the word responsible or responsibility. That's responsibility, the ability to choose what your response is going to be in any circumstance or situation of life. Joseph made the decision that instead of letting life act on him, he was going to make the choice to act on life, and that's how you and I need to live our lives as well, no matter what happens to us, what we face how many odds are against us, how many obstacles come before us. We've been given this great gift. It's called the power of choice, determining our destiny and our legacy.
when the children of Israel were finally going to make their way into the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, God moved on Moses and gave him a, a requirement, a, a set of messages to give to the people of God again. It's called the book of Deuteronomy. It's the second giving of the law. So here are God's people about to go into the promised land. And I want you to look at what God reminded them of as they're getting ready to head in to the land he promised to them. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you. Notice that. I have set before you life and death blessings and curses. So God says, I put some plates on the table. One plate is the plate of life. Another plate is the plate of death. One is the plate of blessing. The other is the plate of curses. Now, notice he says, now do what? Choose life so that you and your children may live. That's your destiny, and this is your legacy, and the choice is ours. Choose life. Never forget, dear ones, never forget that your choices are determining your destiny and your choices are determining your legacy. Joseph remembered it, so must we. Second principle today, remember that your best life choice is to put God first. Now, as I told the folks last night, when I was, as I was preparing this message, sometimes when pastors prepare messages, they go it through in their mind, preaching the message, and they sort of imagine what the response is going to be when they give a particular point. And as soon as I read that second point, I just imagined that the church was going to jump up and down and shout hallelujah right there and say big amen and all that. You didn't do that for me, so I'm going to give you a second chance. You don't have to jump up and down, okay? but at least help me out here. Don't, don't mess up my imagination, okay? Your best life choice is to put God first. There you go. All right. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Very simple, but nevertheless, very, very important. Because your choices start somewhere. Your choices, your big choices in, in life always start with what's important to you. Whatever you value will set a string of decisions in your life. If you value the pursuit of money, you'll make a lot of decisions that lead you down a materialistic pathway. If you value your family, you'll make a lot of decisions that put family first in your life. So your values determine your decisions. Your decisions don't determine your values. Your values determine your decisions. That's why your values are extremely important. You need to think about what's valuable to you. You need to think about what's the priority of your life. And if they're out of order, get them back into order again. This was true for Joseph. He had the right set of values. He had the right set of priorities. We see it in the story uh, when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. She did everything possible to try to get into a relationship with Joseph. But Joseph, the Bible says, even though she sought him day after day trying to seduce him over and over again, the Bible says that Joseph responded with a resistance to that temptation. And, she, and one of the things he declared to her, he says, how can I do this very thing, this wicked thing and sin against my God? He had a value of his relationship with God. He did not want to sacrifice his relationship with God. 
This happens all through his life. You get to the end of his life, and you see the story that after now, Joseph becomes the prime minister of Egypt, and his brothers come to him. His father has died, and the brother and the family has no food, and the only place they can find food is with Jacob, uh, excuse me, with Joseph, and, and Joseph is the very one they had sold into slavery, and so they were very afraid that Joseph was going to destroy them and kill them, but there in that moment, Joseph had a value had the right priorities. He even said to his brothers, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And he opened up the heart of forgiveness to them and he fed them and took care of them. Why? Because he had the right set of values. Joseph's life would not be in this book. The story of his life would not be in this Bible had he not had the right set of values. Had he not placed God first in his life? Can I ask you just to think about in your life today, who or what is first in your life? Have you made the choice to put God first in your life? Jesus reminded us of the importance of this in Matthew chapter 6 where he said, but seek, what's the next word there? First his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Not second, not third, not fifth, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. First. If you've ever watched a train go by, a large train with a a long line of cars on it, rail cars on it, you'll realize that the engine or engines pulling that train have to be at the front of that train. That's where the momentum starts. You can't put the caboose in the front of the train and expect the caboose to pull the load. It won't do it, okay? But there are a lot of us in life, we put the wrong rail car at the front. We're wondering why are we missing the power to get where we need to be in life and why are we missing something that would be essential to us It's because we don't have the power source where it needs to be. And so uh, today, wherever you are in your relationship with God, one of the beautiful things about, uh, about God and his relationship with us is he's ready to welcome us back and he's wel- really welcome, wel- welcoming us to make sure that we come back again and make sure he's first in our life. If he's not first today, put him first in your life. Get the engine in the right place in your life. It's the principle of God being first. Never forget your best life choice is to put God first. Here's our third principle Joseph teaches us. Your tomorrows are determined by what you do with your todays. We tend to think of life in three categories, the past, the present, and the the future, right? We even have language that uh, past tense, present tense, future tense to describe aspects of life. The most unproductive way to live your life is to live your life in the past or in the future. The past, you can do absolutely nothing about your past. It's simply, it's done with. You can't do anything except learn valuable lessons from it. Your future hasn't arrived yet. In fact, Your tomorrow isn't here. It's an interesting thing about tomorrow because when tomorrow arrives, it becomes today. So you never actually have a tomorrow because as soon as you step in tomorrow, tomorrow is today, okay? 
And so the only day that you have to do anything of value with your life and to be very productive is the present. It's called the present because it's a present. It's a gift to you. Every day is a gift that God gives to you. We don't even know if we will have a tomorrow. But a lot of people spend their entire lives focused on something that happened to them in the past. They're bitter. They're frustrated. They're angry. They're mad. They're always looking back. They're they're feeling shame about something you haven't let go of. all kind of things in our past, or they're reaching out, one day I'm going to. One day, eventually this is going to happen, and they live in those two directions, split between the past and the future, but never taking advantage of today. But the principle is here, Joseph teaches it to, teaches it to us. He reminds us, your tomorrows are determined by what you do with your what? Your, your todays. Joseph understood this because after Joseph is sold into slavery to Potiphar's house, he could have become very bitter. He had a dream for his life. He could have become angry. He could have become bitter. He could have become very frustrated. He could have sulked his way through life. But as soon as he ends up in the house of a man by the name of Potiphar, Joseph goes to work being the best he could be that day. He said, you know what? I can't change what my, what, my, what my brothers did to me yesterday. And I'm not where I'm going to be tomorrow. But what I can do is be the best servant possible today. And so Joseph served faithfully that very day. Each day of his life, he got up and was a faithful steward, a faithful servant to Potiphar. So much so that Potiphar ended up trusting him to a degree that he put him in charge of everything in his entire house. Joseph would have never experienced that had he not been faithful in the day. And then, of course, as we saw a moment ago, he's, he's falsely accused. He ends up in prison. But there again in prison, he could have, have become very bitter and angry and frustrated about how life was treating him. After all, he had this vision for his life, this dream of where he wanted to be. But now he's in prison, falsely accused. He's done nothing wrong. He could have been very bitter. But instead, he said, you know what? I can't do anything about what Potiphar's wife did to me yesterday. And I'm not there in my tomorrow's but I can be the best prisoner possible today. Amen. He became such a model prisoner that the, the prison wardener, warden placed him over all the prisoners in the prison. Why? Because he understood the value of living every day to its best. Listen closely. Faithfulness today is what brings you increased blessings tomorrow. That's the principle. Faithfulness today is what brings you increased blessing tomorrow. Tomorrow's harvest is determined by the seeds you plant today. Ask any farmer. Any farmer will tell you if I'm going to have a a, a harvest of corn in the fall, I better plant some corn seed in the spring, okay? And so the seed you plant determines the harvest that you'll receive in your future. And if you don't like, I always like to remind people of this. If you don't like the harvest you're getting in your life right now, it might be time to change the seed you're sowing. Because all you need to do to change the harvest is to change your seed. And so we learn from Joseph that he knew how to plant those seeds. What kind of seeds are you planting with your life today? What are the seeds of life? The seeds of your life are your thoughts, the way you think, the words, how you speak. They're the attitudes that you carry with your life. They're the words that come from your mouth, the actions that you take. All of these represent the seed of our life. And you and I have to make choices relative to our seed because our tomorrow 
tomorrows are being determined by what we do with our two days. When you plant and cultivate the right seeds, you will have the right harvest. Here's the fourth thing that we learn from Joseph's life. Why don't we read this one together? Read it with me. Patience pays. That's a tough one to read, isn't it? Hurry, hurry, hurry. Now, now, now. That's how we live, right? Impatience, I believe, is at an all-time high in our culture. I don't think we've ever been any more impatient than we are right now. In fact, uh, according to certain studies, people who do websites... If you're trying to create a website for your business, whatever it might be, if you create a website that takes longer than three seconds to load, people will not stay with you on that website. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, they're gone. Okay. In fact, a study was, not done too, was done not too long ago about the attention span in our culture today, and, and this study revealed that the average attention span of the adult in America today is eight seconds. Eight seconds. They also in that study found out that the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. Think about that for a moment. Hurry, hurry, quick, now. I want it in this moment. I don't have time to wait. But when it comes to living your best life, patience really is a virtue. It's a virtue. Patience paid off for Joseph. Let me tell you a little bit about his story for a moment. He's 17 when he receives a dream from God that he's going to be a ruler one day. His brothers put him in a pit and sell him into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house where he's a servant. He does the best he can at being a servant. He's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and put in prison. He's in prison. For We don't know exactly how long he was in prison, but from the time he receives his dream until the time he ultimately comes out of prison, becomes the prime minister of Egypt, 13 years passed. 13 years. From 17 to 30, all of that stuff was happening in Joseph's life. And Joseph had to wait and wait and wait and wait. 13 long years. Isn't it interesting how God works with a timetable very different from ours. God spoke to Abraham when he was 75 and said, you're going to have a son. The son didn't arrive until he was almost 100. God spoke to Moses. He was going to be the deliverer of his people, and Moses didn't even start his ministry until he was 80. Does that make you feel any better? Okay. Jesus himself... The Son of God came to earth, and for the first 30 years of his life, we know very little about what he did. We know about him as a 12-year-old boy in the temple and when he was born, but we know very little about the life of Jesus until he was baptized in the River Jordan when he was 30 years of age, and then he has about three years of ministry. So 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. See, we flip that around. Give me three years of training. I want 30 years of ministry. No. No, with God, it's 30 years of training three years of ministry. Why? Because God doesn't count like we count, okay? God has a different calendar than we have. And with God, patience pays in our life. It works something in us that can only be worked over a period of time. 
And while Joseph was in prison, while Joseph was a servant in Potiphar's house, and he goes to prison, God was doing something in Joseph to prepare him for his moment, for his time in the spotlight. Take a look at this verse of Scripture in Psalm 105, verses 19 and 20. God's promise to Joseph, what does it say next? Purged his character until it was time for his dreams to come true. Eventually, the king of Egypt sent for him, setting him free at last. Isn't that a powerful verse of Scripture? The Bible says that God gave a promise to Joseph, but that promise purged his character until it was time. See, something was happening in Joseph for those 13 years, and it required some time for his life to be where it needed to be so he could become the prime minister of Egypt, and nothing could speed that process up. I like to remind people, you can never speed up God's timetable. You can slow it down, but you can't speed it up. A lot of people that want to make things happen before their time, and they end up being unprepared for the moment. Let me tell you what happened. When Joseph was going through this process of waiting and waiting, he's in Potiphar's house. He's learning faithfulness. He ends up in prison, but it's a unique prison. It's the prison where all of Pharaoh's officials were kept. If Pharaoh got mad at somebody, that was the prison they went to, and that's where Joseph ends up. Now, what was the ultimate plan of God for Joseph? He was going to become the prime minister of Egypt, right? Are you with me here? Okay. Right? Are you with me? Okay. That was the end result. He's going to become the prime minister of Egypt. To become the prime minister of Egypt, that's a high governmental official, uh, correct? He needed some training in Egyptian government before he becomes the leader. And God said, I've got exactly the right school for you. I'm going to put you in the prison where all of Pharaoh's officials are so that you can learn what you need to learn so when it's time for you to get out, you'll have all the information you need to be the effective leader that I want you to be. It was not wasted time. It was time that God was building something into Joseph's life. I'm talking to somebody here today. You're going through an extended period of time in your life. You're wondering, why am I waiting? Why am I waiting? Why am I waiting? Well, just pay attention. God's trying to teach you something because there will be that moment that will bring you out of your prison, out of that place of darkness, you may feel like you're in that hidden spotlight of life, but you need to be ready for the moment. Don't waste your waiting. Don't waste your waiting. Because in that waiting process, Joseph was learning God was proving his character and giving him an education, helping him to be ready for his moment when that time would come. Paul the Apostle speaks of this. He went through all kind of stuff in his own life. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For our present troubles, what we're going through right now, are small and won't last very long, as in the big picture, in the big scheme of things. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. That's what we're going through right now. We'll just get through it. It's going to produce something in us that will vastly outweigh the trouble we've been through. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. That's what Joseph did. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. See, Joseph couldn't see how his dream was going to come to pass, 
but he had a promise from God that he held on to in the midst of his trial. And always remember, never forget, patience pays. Our last point together today from the life of Joseph, never forget that giving is always better than getting. Never forget it. Never forget it. Giving is always better than getting. If I were to ask you straight up question, like face-to-face question, you were really honest with me. I would ask you, which do you prefer, getting or giving? You would say, probably many of you would say, well, pastor, I know the right answer is giving, but actually what I like is getting. Okay. That's pretty human, right? You know the right answer, but we all, all like to get stuff, right? We like to be on the receiving end. But the Bible really does teach us something very different, that the best pathways of life are open to people who give and who help and who serve. That's how, if you want to get ahead in life, you've got to be a giver, you've got to be a server, you've got to be a helper. It's the best way to get ahead in life. It's God's pathway to get ahead in life. And giving and helping and serving, these words describe Joseph's life to a T. Because you see in every realm of his life, you see him giving and helping and serving. When he goes to Potiphar's house, what does he do? He becomes a great servant in Potiphar's house. When he goes to prison, he becomes a great servant to the prison warden, so much so that the prison warden turns everything over to him. Even when he's in prison, people come to him with their dreams, right? Is that not what happened? They come to him with their dreams. Nobody asked Joseph about his dream. Not one time in prison does anybody say, hey, Joseph, would you share the vision you have for your life with us? We'd like to know what it is. He never shares his dream. He spends his time in prison always interpreting everybody else's dream. Dear ones, let me tell you something. The best way to see your dream come to pass is to serve somebody else's dream, okay? And so he served the dreams of those around him, some good, some not so good. But all of that was preparing him for the moment that he would have this ultimate dream where Pharaoh would have a dream about a famine that was coming and he would be prepared for that moment. So Joseph spends his entire days before he becomes the prime minister of Egypt, he spends it in giving to other people. Not once does he talk about his dream. He never mentions it. Prior to, uh, after chapter 17 of sharing it with his brothers and sharing it with his father. Never even mentions it again until the day that Pharaoh says, I had a dream, can someone interpret it? And he was brought out and there he interpreted the dream because he learned how to be a giver. The Bible is very, very clear about the value of giving in our lives. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Look at his words. Jesus said this. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, let's don't miss this part, for with the measure, who uses? You use. It will be measured to you. So what you use impacts what comes back to you. That's what Jesus said. What does that mean? Well, when my wife is baking in the kitchen or cooking in the kitchen, she has a variety of of measurement tools. She has a teaspoon and a tablespoon and a 
cup measure and a quart and a pint and a gallon and all these different things and different recipes call for different measurement cups, measurement sources, okay? So think about that for a moment. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What was he talking about? So I meant giving, right? Giving will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He places the responsibility on us for what we want to see back in our lives. Are you hearing me today? Amen. What do you want to see back in your life? It's going to be determined by the measure you use in your giving. If you use a teaspoon, what does God use with you? A teaspoon. If you use a tablespoon, what does God use with you? A tablespoon. There are a lot of people giving God a teaspoon and expecting a gallon. God said, no, 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 that's not the way it works. You pulled the teaspoon out of the drawer. So I pulled the teaspoon out of my drawer, okay? <laughs> Amen? He said, well, are you talking about this prosperity? No, I'm not talking about, you know, three BMWs in your driveway. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm not talking about that, okay? That's not what it's about, okay? There's a lot more things in life that are valuable far more than and material things, okay? Amen. And I'm not against God. God can bless you with those things as well, but it's not about that. It's about, it's about your heart, where your heart is. See, God never tells you to give. He never tells you to give because He wants your stuff. You think God needs your stuff? God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, okay? God doesn't need your stuff. God never asks us to give. A lot of people get all hung up about tithing. Oh, God wants me to give 10%. No, God's not. He's trying to get you in a flow of giving so that blessing can come to your life. That's all he's after. He's trying to teach you to have a heart like his, to trust him with your life so that he can bless your life because he wants you to demonstrate in a practical way that you actually trust him. If you reach in the drawer and you pull out a gallon, God says, okay, I got a gallon jug in my warehouse as well. You get a front-end loader, God's got a front-end loader as well, okay? You get a dump truck, God's got a dump truck, amen? It says, whatever measure you use, it will be measured to you. Is this the only place Jesus talked about this principle? No. Mark 10. Not so with you. And instead, whoever wants to become... That was the dream Joseph had, right? To be a great leader. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your... Is that not exemplified in Joseph's life? Is that not what he did? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to, to do what? To give his life as a ransom for many. As Paul is concluding his time with the Ephesians, getting ready to return back to Jerusalem toward the latter end of his life. He speaks these words to the Ephesian leaders and says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. So who said it? And what did Jesus say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus himself said that. Dear ones, never forget, never forget, may all of us never forget that our choices are determining our destiny and our legacy.
No matter what's going on in your life, you have the power of choice. No matter how hard your life is, how difficult your life has been, you can make the choice of responsibility in the midst of it. Your best life, never forget in any realm of your life that your best life choice is to always put God first. God first in every realm of your life. Never forget that your tomorrows, what's coming your way tomorrow, should you have a tomorrow, are being determined by the by the choices and what you do with your todays. Today is the most important day of your life. Never forget in times of waiting, in times of delay, never forget that patience really does pay. And never forget that giving is always better than getting. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray today? Father, we're grateful for your word. We're thankful for the story of Joseph in the Bible. So many lessons we learned, many things we didn't even have time to cover today. But, Lord, for those things that we were reminded of, we pray that these would be sealed in our heart by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, may something that's been said today change the way we think, change the way we live for your honor and for your glory. We ask it in your name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.